The Ornstein and Chapman podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite betting company. It's Norwich v Liverpool this weekend. Are Liverpool going to continue their march to the title or could the Canaries clip their wings? With Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to build your own personalised bet. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello, welcome to the Ornstein and Chapman podcast on The Athletic, bringing you exclusive and original stories and interviews offering agenda-setting insight from inside the game from David and writers from across The Athletic. Now, coming up today, we're joined by one of the most respected figures in the game as both a player and a manager at the highest level, and that's because uh, David's taken over editorial control of the podcast. Hey, come you, on. You decided to give the column a winter break. I didn't decide oh, to. Right. The bosses decided to, and it, it allowed us a little bit of extra time to work on the podcast, so you should be delighted. So you fixed our main guest who's coming up in a little while. Uh, we'll tell you who that is in just a moment. Also this week, you've had a chat with one of the hottest strikers in the Premier League. Yeah, the break allowed me a little uh, opportunity to think forward to the summer and, of course, the Euros. We've talked a lot through the Column and podcast about Gareth Southgate's striking options amid the injuries to Harry Kane and Marcus Rashford. Danny Ings is a name who's come into the picture a lot. I do think that he's going to be included in the squad for the March friendlies, provided he's also in good physical shape. So that's what you've heard, actually, that from around the people within the England yeah. camp that you know, that he'll yeah. be in that squad. The feeling around the England camp is that players such as Jack Grealish and Danny Ings are almost like the next cabs off the rank. And I think it would be um, the ideal opportunity for Gareth Southgate to have a look at uh, Ings in those two friendlies. So... I headed down to the Tottenham against Southampton FA Cup game um, because I hoped Danny Ings would not be rested um, and that proved to be correct. Thankfully, he came over for a chat and we looked ahead to the summer while also talking about his uh, hot streak in front of goal. It's been a roller coaster since you know the last time I saw you. Um, but no, things, things got better and better. I worked extremely hard to, to be in the shape and, and I'm getting the rewards for it now you were exploring every avenue to get over your injuries and it couldn't be more opposite now no I mean you know there was there was extremely tough days um, but I knew that every day I was getting closer to, to getting fit again so you know you need to you need to carry on with that strong mentality and you know I'm, I'm quite a positive person anyway uh, I wouldn't want to bring any negativity around with the boys up there when I was injured and you know things like that and but yeah there's dark days and there was good days and I'm just happy I'm in this shape now and, and performing like I am. This will be going out on Tuesday um, but tonight Danny has scored a, a remarkable goal here at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in vain sadly for Southampton but it just underlines the formula in Danny which is leading many people to suggest that you'll be going to the Euros this summer. Oh well you know uh, football is a funny game um, all I can do is the best I can every day, you know, give myself the best opportunity to, you know, to try and get into the into the plans. Um, I'll never stand here and say I should be in the squads and things like you know me. I'm not that kind of guy. Um, but as long as I give myself the best chance possible, then uh, yeah. Has there been any contact from Gareth or the England camp yet? No, there hasn't actually. No, um, I've just been solely fo- focusing on here, everything with Southampton, and 
you know, despite the, the last couple of couple of results, we we've been we played some extremely good football, and it shows that as a club we're moving in the right direction. It must be really strange how you were out injured for so long with such severe injuries, and now so many England strikers are suffering from injuries, and you're the one who's almost <coughs> in pole position, according to to many. Well, football football can be like that, you know. Injuries are part of the game. Um, you see how intense the the Premier League is. You know, especially this season, it's, it's crazy. You know, you see there's, there's a lot of injuries everywhere. Um, you know, so it's important that we all look after our bodies well, recover well and prepare in the right way that we can. Um, you know, football, it can be extremely tough when injuries occur. You know, I've been I've been one of those guys. Um, but now I can just, you know, wish all, all of the guys that have got injuries a speedy recovery. Does that make this all the sweeter for you now? How low you got then? How dark it must have got to you at times then to see you <coughs> flying now? Yeah, um, I mean, all of those those days of fighting to try and get fit, you know, this was this was the vision at the end of that hard work, and you know, I'm just extremely grateful to, to everybody who helped me get back into the shape to, you know, to enjoy my football again. You know, you can see this season I've, I've fallen in love with it properly again, and you know, that's you can see in my performances, and I'm playing with a smile on my face, and everybody who knows me knows that I play my best football. You know, if I'm in that mood. Do you envisage yourself at the Euros? You're a confident boy. Do you start to think you want to be wearing that shirt in the summer? Well, I mean, I'd be lying if, if, if I said, you know, I wouldn't. Um, it's, it's every boy's dream. Um, you know, I've made, I've made one appearance, you know, for my country. And since that day, I've always been hungry to, you know, to try and get more. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's about giving myself the best chance and, and go from there. Danny Ng's absolute pleasure. Thank you. Anytime, mate. Anytime. Let's bring Chris Hewton uh, into our conversation. Top manager, of course, been in charge at Newcastle and Norwich and most recently Brighton in the Premier League. Just before we get on to you, Chris, you've obviously managed teams against Danny Ings. What are his strengths for you? Well, his strengths are, I think, similar to to Vardy. I think if you are um, a centre-half at at any level, the the type of player generally that you, you fear or prefer not to play against are the, are the type, certainly the ones that are going to, to work hard, but are going to run hard and, and in particular run behind. And um, certainly with, with Danny Ings, I think he's, he's all-round all game, I think, is at uh, probably at a real height at the moment, come through the injuries that he did, look, looks at maximum pace and speed and fitness. Um, and he's one of them nuisance centre-forwards that... that you know, unfortunately for opposition, um, he happens to be scoring a lot of goals at the moment. Um, but they're just generally the type of players that you prefer not to play against. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you think, in many ways, in the modern Premier League era, that they're getting rarer in a, in an era where we have front threes and false nines and this, that, and the other? That that out and out striker who runs in behind is is a rarer commodity. Um, I think probably the the difference. If I'm looking at where he's playing at Southampton that, uh, that are playing a you know a pressing game high energy but uh, two front players I think it very much suits them I think the modern game has become certainly I think uh, um, as much about possession of the ball uh, as it is about running running behind and and I think probably in a lot of teams that the, the type of centre forward that um, that can link the play bring the others into the game and perhaps in a you know certainly in a four-three-three, get your wide players into them type of positions. I think it's becoming more more prevalent. So yes, the the type of 
number nine. And, and I see him as, a, as an all-round number nine, even though he's a runner. I think he's got a really good all-round game. He's got physicality, I think, about him at, at the moment. And, and yes, I don't think we have as, as many of them as certainly as what we used to. Chris, I was watching a press conference you gave as Brighton manager ahead of playing against Southampton. And you were saying that rather than dropping down for game time from Liverpool to Southampton, it was actually a result of his injury. And if it wasn't for that, that injury or those injuries, then Danny Ings would have continued to be part of the mix at Liverpool. Uh, it's now looking something of a coup for Southampton because he's absolutely uh, flying. And this is, this is a, a striker who would appear to be among the very best in the country at the moment. Well, I think credit to to Southampton because, you know, I'm I'm quite sure when when they took him, you know, they wouldn't have been you know 100% sure because this is this is a player and an individual that, you know, not had only just missed time had had you know certainly a couple of really big injuries and uh, you know when you have them type of injuries, you're never quite sure you know how long it would fully take to recover from that. I think that thankfully these days. Um, an and, and ACL that, that certainly back in the day it would have seen you as a lesser player. You know, players can make a full recovery from that, but it takes time. And um, and I think credit to Southampton. Certainly, if uh, without the injuries, I have no doubt that he still would have been part of the plans at, at Liverpool. But I think the balance was good. I think Liverpool, I think, were sympathetic that this is a player that they liked and needed game time. And and he's and unfortunately for Southampton, he's just got stronger and stronger with uh, with every game and with every period. And Chris, just finally on Danny Ings, um, it's very likely he'll be included in the, the squads for the March friendlies, fitness permitting, uh, if he continues in this vein of form with the other injured forwards. Uh, do you think he will or should go to the Euros this summer? The, the answer to that one would be an emphatic yes. And that is, of course, around you know the number nines that are already involved because what the, the manager always has to do and it's that is that balancing act between you know the consistency that he's had from the, the other strikers that he's got of course Harry Kane being fit uh, Abraham um, Wilson who's coming back to a bit of form and of course uh, Rashford but but on, on present form you know he is the form striker um, in the country and and I think as a as a striker that's what you're striving for and, and if and if a, a Danny Ings um, playing uh, arguably the best um, football of his of his career, uh, of course, can't get into a, an England squad. That would only be, I think, because of the balance between getting the consistency and and uh, the ones that have done it from before. But for me, uh, an absolute, uh, an absolute yes. Now we've got to tell you about Stitch Fix because it's an online personal styling service that takes the work out of dressing well. It's a fun and light touch. All you've got to do to get started is go to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic. You fill in a style quiz. You tell Stitch Fix about your personal style and aesthetic, budget, size and shape, fit challenges, clothing needs and wants. And then a personal stylist basically sends you five items of clothing, each one of them hand-picked for you from Stitch Fix's selection of 100 brands, including established names, cool emerging designers and exclusive brands that you won't find anywhere else. You try on everything at home, 
star with other items in your wardrobe, buy what you love and send back the rest. It really is low risk. For your stylist time, you pay a styling charge of just a tenner and that is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy at home. You try before you buy at home. Delivery and returns are free both ways. There is no subscription necessary. Uh, I have to say, I really enjoyed using it, and I'm not just saying it because they sponsor us, but I filled in the uh, size and shape accurately, so I actually got clothes that fitted me rather than pretending to be a size that I wasn't, and I didn't send uh, anything back, so it was really quite quick, simple, and I like the clothes. Uh, all you've got to do to get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast is go to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic right now. That's Stitch Fix. I'll spell it for you. S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co dot UK slash athletic. Let me uh, let me move it on to you. How are you? No, I'm good. I'm good, Mark, actually. Um, people... Uh, keep asking me if I'm in, enjoying the time out, which um, the 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 honest answer to that one is uh, no. I would mm. rather be back in work. Yes, it um, it can be frustrating, but but certainly what I am doing is is very much making the most of any time that I have out watching watching a, a lot of games. Um, generally, don't allow myself to to get bored I'll out every day do something go through coaching files onto the internet and look at former managers and and stuff and um so I, i'm certainly making the most of it but but very much looking forward to getting back in i mean i've uh, i've had some opportunities to um, to get back in which i i didn't think were were right for me and um and i very much want to get back in at the the best level possible so there are offers there, Chris. It's not that you're sitting at home uh, wondering how on earth you get back in, whether it's a club football, international, championship, Premier League. There, there has been interest in you, which is which is reassuring. Yeah, it's reassuring, and um, obviously it's 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 a better feeling than than of course you've gone through a period of time where you know the phone lines are, are not going and it's it becomes very quiet so yes I mean there there, there have been opportunities to get to back in which is as I say very satisfying but it's you know but I think I'm probably at the stage of um, certainly my career and where where I've managed that um, that it's one that, that I feel has, has got to be uh, right for me uh, you know I I can afford to to wait for that one, and, and I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. It's just I've been in the game a long time now, and um, I've managed in three teams in in the Premier League, and uh, and as I say, I think it's one that's got to be um, right for me. Was I right in thinking or reading that you said that you accept that you'll have to drop down to the Championship and bring a team up rather than getting a Premier League job straight away? What I did say is that is on the law of averages, I accept that. When I took over as, as manager of uh, Norwich, Norwich had had one season, Paul Lambert had done an outstanding job um, be, uh, before me, and they'd been in the Premier League for, for one season already. So so that was myself going into a Premier League job that, um, as I say, that had already been there. But in the two, my two other Premier League uh, clubs, they are clubs that, uh, that I, I managed to get promotion to become Premier League uh, to become a Premier League manager. So I think on the the law of averages and and you know that's probably the way that it's happened or I feel would happen on, on most occasions. Yes, you 
You have to bring that team up as opposed to to um, landing that Premier League job straight away. When you talk about what what's right for you then as an experienced manager in the game, you know when when a job offer comes to you, what what are you analysing in particular? Are you analysing the squad of players, the owner? previous relationships between owner, director of football and manager? Does geography come into it? I just think at your, at your time and with your, your history, I think when you're looking for a new club, what you take into account will be really interesting to people. Yeah, I think mostly it's the level, you know, because what I could do, I could say to you that all of them other things, you know, the, the length of contract, uh, where it is geographically mm. and so come into, so I suppose it's some of them. Some of them are things that you will think about, but um, but you know I'm used to travelling and um, my um, four managerial jobs have all been jobs that I've had to travel. Of course, Newcastle, the, the furthest of them, and and you know the dynamics of football clubs have have changed and changed dramatically over a period of time as regards sort of length of contracts or realistically, you know, possibly how long you will stay, stay at that club. Um, so mo- mostly it's about the level. And, um, you know, what I would like to do is I would like to get back to the Premier League. And, you know, whether that's taking a Premier League job or a club that I feel that gives me the best opportunity to to get back there. And, and probably in, the, in all of this talking you know certainly what I don't want to put across is that it's it's just about me you know because when you are engulfed in in club football you are given everything for that club and you know that becomes the main focus for as much as you you want to be successful yourself you can't be successful without of course doing a good job but having that con- that real strong connection with, of course, your employees and the club that you're working for. And also, in these situations, when you say it's not just about you, it's also about backroom staff and people that have worked with you. When you, when you are out of work and looking for new work, do you, do you feel a responsibility to those who have been with you? Uh, yes. yes. And is that and, hard? Um, uh, yes, it is. Yes, because um, I think what you you formulate a, a, a good relationships with the, the the people that you work with, and and on any success that um, that I've had as a manager, uh, I couldn't have done it without the staff that I have. And, and of course, what happens in the modern game is is that you know there would have been you know if I looked at my previous club at Brighton, there would have been staff that I worked with there that, that contributed immensely to what we was able to achieve there that would still be there and, and I inherited. But there were also staff that, that I took in that, 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 that left with me. So yes, there is, there is that responsibility. You know, my, uh, sometimes a, a manager's um, position can be a little bit different, I think even as regards, um, you know, say geographically and financially and so can be, can be different to those that, uh, that you worked with. So, so there is that um, re- responsibility. I'm fortunate that, I, that, that two of the staff that left with me uh, in uh, Paul Trollope and, and Paul Nevin are, uh, are very, very good individuals. And uh, of course, you know, on any op- opportunity that I have, then they will be very much in my mind. Paul Nevin has gone 
to West Ham, yes. I think, until, yeah. till, till the end of the season, which did delight for him because it gets him back involved again and, and keeps him busy. And, and you know, he's a, he's a level of coach that, um, that uh, allowed him to go to, of course, uh, as good a club as what West Ham is. Chris, can you give us a bit more detail on a, a couple of things? Firstly, for our listeners, um, what do you all do when you're when you're out of work? Yourself, your staff who have not got back into jobs. What literally do you do on a day-to-day basis? And secondly, with people like Paul Nevin now in jobs, and if an opportunity comes up for you, is it difficult to uh, rebuild a staff for your next job? And, and do you encounter problems on that front as well? Um, I, I mean, I never like to think about encountering boys because I've I've always felt and and you know I have changed um, staff for for one reason or, or another over the, the period of time that I, that I've managed and uh, and I always look at it that if I've changed staff uh, or I've inherited when I when I went to Brighton I inherited a, a coach uh, Nathan Jones and and mm-hmm. I always look at that as a as a another opportunity it's a it's a a different face, a, a different voice. We put a lot of hours in, whoever that, that staff is. And generally, you know, I could certainly say over the period of time I've managed, there isn't uh, anybody that I've worked with and worked closely with that, uh, that I've ever had any difficulties with. And um, so sometimes that's, that's uh, a challenge. It's a, it's a, a good challenge. Uh, and as for that period of time out, we uh, meet fairly regular, myself, Paul Trollope and, and Paul Nevin, of course, Paul, not so much now that he's, he's gone to West Ham, but but we meet quite regular. We go to a, a lot of games uh, together. Um, his circumstances would be different to mine. It, it, I think certainly for for where I live and, and and as I've said, what I would do to fill my time is is very much a, a lot of games and at times two three games a week, and that will be Premier League games, Championship games, um, and then use that time during the day. Sometimes I'll go down to the library, take my laptop with me and um, read up coaching initiatives or go through files. And, and I think Paul, uh, Paul Trollope would do the same. So that's how you have to use your time because you, you, you always have to anticipate that uh, you could be back in uh, at any time. Do you think you've changed then as a manager over the years? And, if, and I'm, I'm guessing you probably do think that. And if so, in what way? Um, I think the, the only changes, um, for if, if I perhaps looked at my personality um, over over a period of time, and, and um, possibly I, I've got a little bit calmer, I think over a, a period of time. But I think that comes with, I think with a, with experience, and um, certainly what what you learn over over a period of time is how the game has changed. Um, different problems that you perhaps are, you know, are experiencing uh, now that perhaps I wouldn't have experienced uh, early on in in my career. Uh, how I dealt with it then, and and possibly you can reflect and think now that you can, you know, cope with them situations, uh, you know, a, a, a little bit better. So much of the dynamics around management has has changed. You know, the amount of staff that you have. I mean, one, you know, one example I. When I left Norwich, we had we had two analysts, um, one one analyst uh, working on the team and one analyst on on recruitment. When I went to Brighton, we had four analysts just on recruitment. Wow! Um, 
you know, these are the changes in the game. And, and what happens is you, 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 you have a choice on what type of uh, manager, head coach you, you want to be. And, and so you either have, you know, closer relationships with, you know, them four individuals, um, you know, or you don't. For the benefit of the club, it's, it's certainly more beneficial that you, that you have relationships with them, know, know what's going on and, and perhaps can have, have an influence. So I think probably the, the, my, my biggest change, I think, as, as a manager is I've, I think I've used my experience to, to hopefully cope with the, the, you know, the changing face of the game and, of course, and um, the different sort of roles that, that the modern-day manager has to deal with. Do you think, um, in general, the cult of the manager has, has increased in your time as a manager? And by that I mean it feels very much at the moment that we're in an era where fans crave uh, a connectivity with their manager. Now, the most obvious example is, is, is Klopp at, at Liverpool, but you could go to Hassenhutl at, at Southampton if you want and see the way he and the fans seem to connect as soon as he walked through the door. You could go to Bielsa and Leeds, which might be a little bit sticky at the moment, depending on the form that they're in. You could Arteta. go to Arteta at Arsenal, mm. Lamushi at Nottingham Forest. There, there appears to be this, this real desperation for fans to connect with their manager. Do you think that has increased over the years? Um, I think it has, and I think some of that would be down to, you know, if we're, if we're talking about Jurgen Klopp, is the, the persona people have off it and the type of manager that he is, you know, mm. very, you know, very animated in every, you know, in lots of, of what he does, very excitable about lots, which are, which are, are great, great qualities to have. But certainly, what it does do, it, it gives him a connection with with the supporters. But that, but that's one individual. I think that the the biggest reason, I think it it is because of of I think one social media, but but mostly, mostly, I think because of the amount of uh, football that we now see in, um, and experiencing on on the screens, and uh, I think the the visual the visual profile of the the manager has never been greater you know this moment if you are whether you are a premier league manager and certainly a championship manager you know you are doing you are doing four press conferences a week you know pre-match and and post-match so i think i think visually the um, it's never been um, the profile of the manager i think has never been um, greater than what it is now and i think that being the case the supporters have that, that that instant connection to the manager, and they see him. You know, I think where where the game is changing, of course, the the influence now of director of football and the, the CEOs, and and I think even owners, and you know, very influential and um, uh, and wealthy owners, I still think that the profile of the and that, and that connection for the manager. I think has never been greater. That is good and bad. I was. Gonna, I spoke to Nigel Pearson after Nigel Pearson lost his job at Leicester. We we left it a couple of months, and he came into a studio, and he seemed very relaxed and refreshed. And I spoke to him about this. You know, for, at pre and post match press conferences, interviews. If your game's on telly, then you've got to do an interview for the telly as well. The radio ask for demands. That is a ridiculous amount of pressure on one person. 
so many times a week. There must be a point, Chris, where you just think, geez, can't someone else just do this for me this week? Because you'll run out of things to say. Yes, sometimes that's how it feels, Mark, I must admit. Um, I think probably the difference, what you, you would have seen, I think over the years, that uh, you would have seen the, the occasional uh, interview that the assistant or the first team coach would have done. And you, you are you know, actually seeing that less now. And the reason why you are seeing that less is because your head of media you know, is, is almost sort of in, insisting that you know, this, is, this is not only going out here in the UK, but this is going out, you know, worldwide, and and hence, you know, the connection that they have, of course, is is, is with the manager. So, 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 yes, it, they can at times um, become um, a little bit predictable. I, I think if you are if you are winning games, they are always better press conferences. If you are winning games, but then you, but then what happens is you become conscious that. You don't want to be too excitable. You don't want to become too <laughs> overconfident. So, so you're playing them ones down. And of course, when you're going through a, a bad run, you know they are um, more pushy type um, press conferences that that you know that you know you've got to be saying the right thing. So it's we see it as very much as as part and parcel of it. But it's something that you have to give a lot of thought to because you very very quickly you know from an emotional point of view can can say the wrong things Chris I find that fascinating you're basically talking about the cult of the personality you picked up on uh, Jurgen Klopp I was also thinking while you were talking Chris Wilder we've seen Mourinho over the years um do you think, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way at all, you're going to have to change yourself in your next job to become more resonant with the fans and the media in a way that some of those guys are perceived as being? Yeah, and, and uh, no, no, I don't take that any other way than, 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 than what you said, and it's a, uh, and it's a, a, a very, very good question. Um, but I also think that you, you have to work around your personality, and I think if you are trying to be something that you're not. I think people very much see through that one. Yeah. And, and, and I could probably say that, that, you know, all of the individuals that you spoke about, and of course there are numerous, numerous, numerous more, that, uh, that generally, generally what you see, you know, is around their personality. You know, of, of course the, there are going to be the ones that have to temper things and, and perhaps think more about things and bring things down but but generally it's still around your your personality and um you know certainly what i'm not capable of doing is is you know to being as uh, excitable as as poss possibly what a, a jürgen klopp would be um or as such um because i think that's not my my personality so i think you've also got to be very careful very careful that way to be to be true to yourself um, there are going to be the moments, of course, when things are going well, that uh, they might get a little bit more out of you than you you would have liked to, or <laughs> or or think you're going to. Um, but that's normal, you know. That's a normal part and parcel of uh, the game. But but they are becoming far more important now, and certainly far more important to you, the media staff that you have at the club. Well, it was interesting that when Brighton decided to um, change managers when you were in charge. They didn't come in with somebody big, some big personality in terms of reputation, etc. And I've heard very good things about Graham Potter. But I, I was wondering when I was preparing to speak to you today whether it was a bit of a, it is a bit of a kick in the teeth for you that 
Brighton um, were brought up to the Premier League by you, kept in the Premier League by you, and then changed manager on the, the day after the season ended, um, when you seemed absolutely, you know, comfortable at the club and and um, things were going pretty well. If they had brought somebody in who had who was flying up the league table and challenging in a way that they wished. I, I guess you couldn't have many complaints. And this isn't a personal criticism of Graham Potter at all, but they're in hmm. something of a relegation um, battle now, you could say. Uh, how do you sit sort of less than a year on thinking that was my job and I was doing pretty well and they don't seem to have sort of changed much since the change was made? The most important thing always as a, as a manager, and particularly with ex- experience, is, is that you, you know, very quickly move on because, because you have to. You know? and, and what I uh, have said, so I'm not saying something different to you know, what I've documented before, that it, that it came as a, as a big surprise to me, but, uh, and particularly the, the timing of it. But, but once it happens for, for whatever reason, um, then the most important thing is is that you move on from there. And in four and a half years at the club, then um, I had no complaints. I got on well with everybody at uh, the club, and of course felt that I'd done a good job over that um, that that period of time. So, so certainly any criticism of um, of sort of a past employee, I can't honestly say because they're saying four and a half years. Uh, normal. You can you can complain about some aspects. That's normal running of, of football clubs. But but I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed my time. It's a very very well run club, um, a very am- ambitious club. You know I always prefer to not think about you know what could have been or the reasons why because the reasons why are solely down to of course the, the club that uh, that you left. And what's more important is that um, that you move on because. What always happens is that you end up being you know, bitter and twisted and um, everybody moves on. And um, so, you know, certainly for me, always the best way to approach this one is, is uh, to move on and um, uh, say be as positive as possible. Just one final thing on, on the end of uh, Brighton, which I, I've, I haven't seen you since the final day of the season when I, I was at Brighton for the radio. Manchester City obviously won the title that day. And I can remember sort of as, as I was coming to the close of, of doing the broadcast and Manchester City were, had, were getting ready for their presentation, but you had done, you and your players had done a lap of honour. And, and I am, I'm fairly sure that afternoon you had your family there. I think you may have had one of your grandchildren in your arms. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and yes, I, can remember, is, yes. I can remember saying it on air and thinking, All right, you know, Brighton have stayed up. What a lovely feel. I know they've lost today, but they gave City a game. Lovely feel to the end of season. The fans are showing their appreciation. Uh, Chris Heater's got one of his grandchildren in his arms. And then the following day, the news came. It, as you were standing on the pitch with, with your, with, in that situation, you had no inkling. Uh, no, no inkling at all, and and um, say going going back from that, the fact that they chose to replace me, then of course that's you know they're my employees, that's their um, prerogative, you know, irrespective of what what I think or what I thought. Um, the the biggest disappointment for me was that the fact that I I never saw it coming, um, and uh, certainly on that last day uh, had. Um, no idea what was going to happen the the next day. So that that would be my 
my biggest argument bone of contention as regards you know anything detrimental towards the club then i then um i don't feel that that's their prerogative and of course they have their reasons for doing what they they did but um i just felt that after having spent four and a half years at the club um that uh, to to for it to come as such a surprise for me was um, uh, was something, of course, that wasn't particularly nice. Also, it, it denies you the opportunity to say goodbye to the fans and the fans the opportunity to say goodbye to you. And and sometimes us fans, whoever we support, are romantic and like to say goodbye to people who have done a good job for us. Uh, and, and I had an extremely good relationship with um, the, the the club and, and the supporters. Um, and, and I'm also appreciative that um, you know we had some some in, in the probably in the four and a half years I was there the second half of last season was probably the most difficult our strength the season before was we picked up a lot of points particularly at home against the teams that that were around us and and um, it was a very disappointing second second half of the season what we was able to do of course was was to get to the semi-final of the the FA Cup which was a a very special moment for for everybody at the club, but um, but right through even those difficult times, and um, the the supporters were very much always behind the team, um, and I very much thank them for the support that they gave me through that you know through a difficult period. So yes, th- these are the things that you you think back on, and and of course it would have perhaps given me an opportunity to see the supporters before I went, but. But unfortunately, Mark, that's football, and um, you know, at whatever time, you know, whether that's you know halfway through a season, at the start of the season, February, March, um, you know, it's it's never easy. Owners, you mentioned that owners are getting more and more sort of involved in things. And the stakes are higher than ever. It seems in many circumstances that you're on a hiding to nothing unless you succeed and and maybe even then it's still not good enough for them so I'd like to know from your perspective whether it's sort of like you're banging your head against a brick wall in many circumstances with ownership do you sort of do you sit there as confused as many others certainly in the time that we've got it's quite a big subject <laughs> Sorry, um, yeah. no, no no doubt that no doubt that the the the, the ownership has, of football clubs has, has very much affected the game and um, certainly, as, re- as regards um, the the type of managers that uh, that we would have in the game now, I think if you are if you are a, a foreign owner, then you know you are going to look a little bit more broader in the type of manager um, that that you would bring in, and and from and from what country. Um, there's, there's no doubt that ownership have a. a uh, a bigger say now in what goes on at uh, a football club, and and of course can can change things change things quicker. The desire, you know, if we talk about the Premier League now, the desire for for those owners that uh, that have co- of course put huge money into the football club, the desire to stay in the Premier League, to to do well, to meet quotas and, and everything, as as you know, taken over large parts of football. Hence, hence the reason why. You know, the average tenure of a, of, of a, a manager is, is is about a year and a half at, at this moment. And, you know, I think what we have, certainly what we had abroad in, in managers or, as they spoke about, head coaches as abroad, I think you, 
you see that they move around far more often and you know the fears are is that the, 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 the modern day manager stroke head coach where where always in the past he would have that real strong connection with the club is that you know that won't be the case so much and you know the, I think the, the real disappointing thing will be if managers are going into jobs with a mentality that I'm going to give everything that I can do the best job that, that, that I can but when it's time to go you know I'll move on to the next one and um, you know that's probably the, the shame that's real sort of connection that you that just would have with the club with the, with the supporters with other aspects of of the, the way that the club is run and and of course an academy you know and our, our game was very much built on young players coming coming through and having the opportunity to get through to the first team uh, and I just hope that over a period of time that just that just doesn't get lost. Quick question from Arthur Shelby, who put this in on Twitter to us. Would you be open to coaching Ghana Black Stars in the future? Um, I, I am very open. My, my uh, biggest draw, my biggest draw at the moment is, is very much is the, the day-to-day club management. I mean, that's what continues to excite mm. me, the draw of, of affecting affecting a team, you know, week in, week out. But but international football, and particularly, particularly of course, um, Ghana, where my, my father's from, um, is something, as as Republic of Ireland, because my, my mother's from there and delighted to see Mick doing another great job there. And so international football is, yes, it's something that, uh, that, I, that I do think about, but probably still at this moment, um, my real draw, my real strength is that the day-to-day working with players and, uh, and trying to affect um, what happens on a Saturday. When I put an appeal out for questions on Twitter for you, the most replies I got were from Newcastle fans. Um, it's just a quick question on the overall picture there. Do you think that Newcastle can succeed or meet the desire of their fans while, while Mike Ashley is still in charge? Or do you think that's going to be very difficult? Um, I, th- I think that the difficulty is, is that um, if I look at where, where the club are now, I think they have, a, uh, particularly after Rafa went, I think Steve was a natural to go in there for, for lots of reasons. He's an incredibly good manager and, and doing very well. Um, it's it's about success and what and what is success for a club like Newcastle? I think predominantly it's it's you know achieving a cup, getting to a cup final, winning a, a cup final. I think as regards where they are in the league and being in that that Champions League positions, I think at the moment that's probably secondary to to winning something. So you know can they do that in the the, the present climate? Yes, they are capable, but it's without big investment, it becomes very, very, uh, or a lot harder to to be in a Champions League um, position, or, or certainly in that sort of top top six. But are they capable of winning something in the present conditions? Yes, yes, they are. Um, but you know, to be a say a consistent Champions League top six team. Then of course it's a club that will need investment and big investment. Uh, well, Chris, I know we both appreciate you being on Thank uh, you this podcast uh, and your time and your uh, insight into the job. Um, hopefully, uh, I'm interviewing you again very soon, either pre or post match. But sometimes, just say no to me. You can <laughs> just say no. Take the pressure off. Well, I'll I'll try to be a bit more animated. <laughs> no. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers, Chris.
Well, thanks very much to Chris Hewton and to Danny Ings. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic to read in full great articles from David when he's allowed to write them again after the winter break. Uh, and all the rest of our football writers who are still working. It's only you. As the, as, as the superstar, you get the winter break. The rest of them are slaving away. Working isn't just writing. It's meeting oh, people. Oh, it's sitting in rooms with you recording yeah. audio. So basically, it's just going out to dinner and meeting people. And also, by listening to us, you can get a 40% discount on subscription just go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman. All of our podcasts are completely free. Subscribers get the ad-free versions. Uh, that's it. Well done on getting Chris Hughes and Danny. It's a good pod. That was enjoyable. Column is back next week. <laughs>